Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, and we welcome you into 2021. Hope everyone is off to a great start for this new year, and we're getting back into our rhythm, doing two podcast episodes per week. We'll let you know next week. Uh, give us a few days to figure out when exactly those two days will be, but we're going to try to set those uh, so you can lock in and, and expect those to drop on particular two days. We're recording here on a Tuesday afternoon. We're going to have another episode for you later this week, so let's start there. Bunch of things to get to of note for the Nittany Lions on this episode. It's been a really busy offseason already. Of course, the college football season isn't even done yet. We've had so much to talk about with Penn State. Some future roster additions via the transfer portal, via the recruiting trail to get to here. You're going to hear from one of those additions. Former Duke defensive tackle Derek Tangelo joins the show in just a little while. But Sean, why don't we start with a player retention, someone who is staying put, not going anywhere, it turns out out. Tariq Castro-Fields, you alluded to this on our last episode when we were going through a bunch of the information that had been thrown our way with this Penn State offseason. You you, you had been hearing that Tariq Castro-Fields was going to stick around. He confirmed that over the weekend, and uh, he's going to use that fifth season. He's the first Penn State senior to say he's going to use that extra senior year in Happy Valley. It doesn't make sense for for all those guys, but it makes sense for Castro Fields more than any of those other ones. Um, So not a big surprise there to get Castro Fields back. Just look at his career. I mean, he's been in spots where he's looked really good. He's been in spots where he's kind of been up and down, but most of his spots over the last two years have been injured, and that's really not a, a great spot. So no guarantee that he comes back and he's 100% and he's ready to go and you think he can stay healthy for an entire season. But for his future, for his prospects, I think it's certainly worth coming back. He missed the uh, final six games of the season. It was kind of uh, you know, a running joke as we got through the season that he would come out and warm up and they thought he was close. And you know, by the, by the time they got to seven on seven or team drills in the in the that stage of warmups, he would move back into his jacket or, you know, just not be on the field altogether. So um, it's good to see him back. I think he's a quality player. He's got 18 starts, a lot of experience, uh, you know, a guy that 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 is really looked up to in that room. And, and it's a it's a really talented room. And I think that that's the most interesting dynamic of this is you look at all the positions where Penn State could maybe afford to have somebody come back. Of course, you're going to look at a spot like safety with Jaquan Brisker, but at cornerback, you, you didn't need Castro Fields back. And, you know, he's going to be he's going to be in quite a competition next year. You've got Joey Porter Jr. who started on the other side last year. I mean, it gives you a little bit of flexibility maybe with a guy like Keaton Ellis and you get Marquise Wilson back and, you know, you've got a bunch of guys in there and then you add a transfer in Johnny Dixon and all of a sudden, you know, corners looking like a pretty strong spot. I don't think they played terribly um, this season. I don't think they were tested all that much this season, but you you look at what that does for the rest of your roster and Castro Fields coming back is probably a bigger deal than one would think on the surface. 
Yeah, you've got four guys at that spot now, Sean, with starting experience at the Power 5 level. Johnny Dixon, eight games started for South Carolina during the 2020 season. Of course, Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis, uh, both picking up starts. I'm actually short on that. You have five guys with starting experience because Keaton Ellis started a bit toward the end of the 2019 year, started a bit this year. He was absent here and there as well. And then you saw Marquise Wilson getting to that starting job for a bit with Tariq Castro field sidelines. And as I mentioned, Dixon and, of course, Joey Porter, Jr. now has a full year under his belt and he impressed for the most part as a redshirt freshman and remember everybody's staying put where they are eligibility wise so you've got three Castro Fields a senior again but then you've got those other guys they've got a lot of eligibility left in the tank uh, five different players are set are technically either redshirt freshman or sophomore status going into this year that's Daquan Hardy included he does not have the starting experience but we saw him play pretty extensively in slot coverage in that star role Brent Pry uh, threw some praise in his direction late in the season about how they felt he was developing from a physical standpoint of uh, being able to fill that spot, which was Lamont Wade earlier in the year in the star spot. Um, so there's a lot to like. There's a lot of competition. Uh, I certainly don't think, uh, I don't anticipate Tariq Castro Fields will be uh, unseated from his starting job, but he's going to face some serious competition. Johnny Dixon's coming to campus, uh, I'm sure, motivated to go and, and be a first team guy. And Joey Porter Jr., good luck getting him out of that role. And of course, Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson, they're in their third year now in 2021 as guys who are going to see a lot of action on the football field, both burn redshirt status in 2019. And um, I, I think there's just there's a lot to like about this group because um, if someone's not getting the job done, Terry Smith has options. And, and, and I don't want to say that you want your guys to work with the short leash. You want guys to have a short memory at this position of all positions, really. But, you know, if someone's ineffective or someone's consistently not making the right reads or, or just not physically up to the task, uh, there are room to maneuver uh, in this cornerback room. And I think you have enough talent at that spot where you've got a situation like early in this year, we saw Lamont Wade in that star role on the slot guy. You know, to me, once you went to three corners out there instead of three safeties, you certainly saw some improvement there. Um, So I think that, you know, you maybe get Marquise Wilson in the slot, maybe even get Johnny Dixon as a guy that could play that nickel role. And it gives you a little bit more flexibility as a defense altogether. So I think that 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 makes makes sense. Um, You know, a couple of guys, I I don't know what what Joe Johnson's, how Joe Johnson's going to factor into this the freshman last year didn't play um, didn't even get in I don't believe into a single game this year had some offseason issues um, you know that that happened before the season so that's certainly something to to take into account Donovan Johnson was hurt this year missed this season I don't expect him to be back so um, you know you've got some some unknowns there Kalen King and Jeffrey Davis will be on campus in January um, they certainly provide a, a wrinkle there that you know you certainly They've played freshmen there. They're not afraid to play freshmen there. I think Kalen King can play right away. Um, is there just a little bit too much traffic in front of him? It's hard to say. It depends how he uh, how he handles things in the spring and, and through the summer. So if there's a spot, I mean, we looked at this defense this year and said, hey, they were not great as a, as a unit, or, you know, as a whole defense, but defensive end and cornerback were okay, probably better than you would think. And and this is a spot where they, they can certainly push forward into 2021. 
Kalen King just a couple weeks away from from joining this group, and and I know you were very high on him. He ended up as the top-rated defensive signee for Penn State in the 2021 cycle, and uh, that head start should help him make an impact. I'm very curious about where Joe Johnson stands uh, in in view of this coaching staff after his first year on campus. He earned that four-star rating from 24-7 Sports coming out of high school and got to campus early last January, but it didn't materialize. Things off the field, things on the field um, just didn't result in playing time for him and and that was a position late in the season I think if 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 our listeners remember James Franklin referenced after the Michigan game um, when Penn State picked up that first win of the year that they were really shallow at cornerback going going into that game they they think they were down to three scholarship players you just look at where they finished the season versus where they are now in the first week of January you've essentially added to what you had at the end there uh, four scholarship guys when you look at the 2021 outlook because he didn't have Tariq Castro Fields available for, for the final two-thirds of the season. He was in uniform uh, for pregame, as you said. It was a very curious situation. We don't know the severity of the injury, but again, I can't imagine it was too severe. Don't know what that will entail, his recovery and being able to play fully when this team returns to the field, but I think you're pretty optimistic based on his apparent almost availability for much of the season, but you're adding him back into the conversation. You're adding Johnny Dixon into the conversation. You've got these two freshmen coming to campus with Kaylin King and Jeffrey Davis and King getting that edge in terms of early enrollment, um, and I think you just go back to what you what you got out of that group a couple years ago and the experience that Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson gained and Maybe maybe either of those players you could point to and saying you thought one or the other might flash a little bit more. Keaton Ellis wasn't always available for game days. That was a bit curious as well, particularly early in the season, playing special teams, not playing defense, not playing at all. And Marquise Wilson, I think it's you know his freshman year really showed us a lot. Had a big performance in the Cotton Bowl. Guy who got, seemed to always be around the football. You, you'd like to see him take another step forward here as a junior. You just don't know how the snaps are going to be delegated. And you mentioned this before, Sean. Could we see one of these guys maybe transition to safety? Does that make sense for the coaching staff? Does that make sense for a player? We saw them try to pull that off last offseason with Trent Gordon. That didn't work out. He's now headed to Arkansas. We saw that happen with, with Lamont Wade a few years back. He ends up being a multi-year starter at safety for you. So that's something to chew on. And, and this is just, it's, it's, it's a great problem when you can read off five, six names and feel you know, fairly comfortable about having them on the football field in pass coverage. You know, I, I, I do think that there's got to be some sort – something's got to give here in terms of movement there. I don't think that the Trent Gordon comparison is is probably a fair one. Trent, just given the circumstances, didn't have a chance. And that's really that's really disappointing because I thought he was a pretty good player. Um, You know, he, he, he switched to safety in like February or something like that. And then, of course, no spring ball, no summer. The fractured offseason for a lot of these guys – and this is not just a corner thing. The fractured offseason where you're in and out and, you know, you come back to campus and then all of a sudden it's canceled. You know, all that kind of stuff just kind of builds up and, and really affects your development. And I think that there's a lot of guys on this roster, uh, you know, including guys like Ellis and Wilson where that was not a great thing for those guys. So um, it's it's been really, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know that it's fair to to bounce around some of these comparisons. I know that's not what you're trying to do because it is a precedent that they've gone through. But at the same time, a, a situation like Gordon kind of sucks. So if you move one of those guys over there, that's that that's fine. Hopefully this year you get a chance to go through spring ball. You get a chance to spend all season on campus going through seven and seven with you with your teammates and things like that. And maybe you get a different result out of that. Given what they have at safety and the way that they've, you know, the, the holes in their roster that that have come from the way that they've recruited the position over the last couple of years, I, I don't think there's really much of a choice um, than than moving one of those guys over there. 
Yeah, no, you make a great point, and it's something that we try to avoid doing all of 2020, right, is comparing the the process of what you're doing in 2020 against what you did in 2019 or past years under Franklin or past years in college football. Now we kind of got to check ourselves again and, and what you anticipate for 2021 versus maybe how things took form in, in 2020. And, of course, we're all hopeful that this will be more of a, a, a normalized structure in 2021 for how college football uh, programs prepare for the upcoming season. Nothing is guaranteed at this point. Uh, but, yeah, a great point on that. And the bottom line here is you're getting back a guy in Tariq Castro-Fields who has played 40 games going back to burning his red shirt as a freshman in, in 2017, 18 starts to his credit. He's played a lot of football seen a lot of live bullets in Big Ten play, uh, and he has provided leadership skills. That's something that he was really, really pointed to by James Franklin, by younger guys like Joey Porter, by Terry Smith in that cornerback's room. Is he didn't go down? Uh, he, you know, he he didn't go down the rabbit hole after he got injured and, and kind of just sit in the back and, and 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 get down on himself and wallow. He was very active. We saw that on game days. He was communication was there, and, and Franklin seems to think that he learned some things about himself. Maybe learned some things about. Maybe being a coach down the road, potentially, uh, see how that goes. But I think with Tariq Castro-Fields back, you just continue to reinforce the fact that you like this room. Elsewhere in that senior class, we've gotten several answers at this point. Still no official word yet. And by official word, I, I essentially mean a tweet. Um, Jaquan Brisker, Lamont Wade at safety. You mentioned last week Michael Mennett. Move on from him, the starting center for Penn State. He's going to move on with his career. Look to the professional ranks. Everyone else has made it public, um, but but you know, still that defensive backfield has a bit to shake out. Lamont Wade, we anticipate that his Penn State career is done, and Jaquan Brisker continues to to you know signal that he will be part of that Senior Bowl process that's coming up, and that would mean he's moving on, but. Nothing quite there yet, and he, and he also was, was one of the first to react to Castro Field's decision on social media. Yeah, I think that that's something that, you know, it would be great. I, I don't know that you can expect him back at this point, given how much his stock has seemingly gone up over the last half of the season. Um, but I, I think you're waiting on some numbers, you're waiting on some feedback and things like that. If they got him back, absolutely huge. I think, as I've said it before, I think it would be best for him. I think it would be best for his development and certainly would be best for Penn State's defense. Uh, but I mean, the, the way that things have been just trending on a national level where he gets the the PFF All American team and and things of that nature. That's those are data points that are certainly going to push him in that direction. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, you you've got uh, you know you've got a pretty good idea of what you're trying to bring back. Obviously, there's still holes there. Obviously, that's why the transfer portal exists, and obviously that's why uh, Penn State's actually been very very proactive in the last couple of weeks trying to bring in some guys to plug some gaps. Let's dive back into that transfer portal because as much starting experience as you bring back and add at cornerback. For 2021, you have zero on the current roster at defensive end with Shaka Tony, Jason Away, both off to the NFL, Shane Simmons announcing the end of his college career not too long ago. So that leads us to a guy we, we discussed last week, Sean, and, and that is Arnold Ebikati out of uh, Temple, uh, former Temple player. He was a second team all-conference uh, performer for the Owls last year, 42 tackles, eight and a half of those for loss and four sacks in only six games. Uh, someone that, that we mentioned, Penn State was very actively engaged with when we were recording our show last week. And I think within 24 hours, uh, he had announced that he was indeed heading to Happy Valley. And he is a grad transfer, but let's note this. Redshirt junior status, two years to play at Penn State. 
He's got two two years to try and play it. From what I understand, he wants to be one and out, but that you know certainly having that second year is is not uh, not a bad thing. Um, but this is a guy that the staff was very high on in terms of when he went to the portal, they were all over him. This is one that makes sense. He's got some connections. He's from just north of D.C. and you know in Maryland, and and they. He's come across guys in the past. I don't know that Penn State ever recruited him, but uh, Tyler Bowen was at Fordham. Tyler Bowen, uh, you know, re- recruits that area. Got in touch with John Scott. You know, it's just little things that these little connections that we're seeing all through the portal that just kind of set up to be big things later on. It's just uh, it's one of the f- the fascinating things about following this. In addition to just everything is happening all at once. Um, but Ebikete is a guy that they think can can be an impact player for them, can come in from and start for them right away, um, be on the opposite side of Adisa Isaac, and all of a sudden, you know, defensive end looks much better. Um, I don't know that they're done at the portal at this position. This was obviously a big priority for them. James Franklin said back on signing day um, that defensive end and, and defensive back were two that they were looking heavily into, so I wouldn't be surprised if that come about. I don't know that it's going to be another one-and-done type guy. I think it could be a guy that has a couple of years left if they find the right guy, maybe a guy that they had uh, connections with prior to. So um, I, I think that this is something that you just keep seeing the the dedication to making this work. Penn State's never been a transfer destination. It's never been a school that's that's leaned on these type of guys. But at the same time, things have changed and they've adjusted their uh, their their uh, approach as such. John Scott, Dion Barnes involved with this process. They're going to get a, a long look at Arnold Ebikede coming in uh, in the 2021 group with this transfer class. And, uh, you know, something that, that is really interesting to the, the transfer portal to me, Sean, is looking back at, at how different it is for some of these guys. We, we mentioned last week how Antonio Shelton was hearing uh, from, from schools like Florida, Florida State, Michigan. Those schools were not really inquiring about Antonio Shelton when he was in high school. The story uh, about Arnold is, is even more tremendously different when you look at where he was versus where he is now um, coming out of high school was committed to, to FCS Townsend um, and and going to stay local there in Maryland and, and ultimately uh, sign with Temple his other options I'm looking at his 24-7 sports profile from that 2017 recruiting class Charlotte had an offer Maine had an offer Monmouth had an offer on the table he was considered outside of the top 2,000 overall in the composite rankings, number 138 outside linebacker. Of course, he's bulked up in a big way now at, at Temple after after four years there. He's a true defensive end. But, Sean, I think that's one of the really cool things because I, I we're, we're still enamored with some of the names that we see end up in the transfer portal. And you think, ooh, three or four years ago, this guy was a, a four-star. This guy was a five-star, and he was a can't-miss guy. They don't generate as much interest sometimes as you might think, whereas you've got a kid here, and, and there's other examples who it was it was very borderline whether FBS football was going to be an option for them when their senior season of high school football ended. Three or four years later, they're in the transfer portal. They're hearing from some of the biggest coaching names in college football. It's it's almost like kids develop between the ages of seventeen <laughs> no and twenty one, um, especially a spot like Temple that's done a really good job developing what you know the the, the crop that they get. Obviously different than the crop that Penn State gets, but at the same time, they've, they've had a tremendous success with, uh, with developing some of those guys. And yeah, you want to catch these guys on the ascent. I mean, let you talk about some of these 
former four and maybe even five star guys that go into the into the portal that haven't panned out. And, uh, you know, the market there is just kind of like, OK, can, can we get that talent? We know that talent is there. Can we get that out of them? OK, that's one thing. Maybe maybe some programs have the time to do that and the space and the resources and things like that. Others need help now. Penn State needs help now on the defensive line. You take a guy like Ebikiti, who is obviously, you know, has outperformed all those expectations, probably outperformed the expectations that Temple had for him. And, you know, it sort of is going on the way up. And that's really what you're looking for. You're trying to catch these guys at their peak. And, you know, the, you throw those stars out when you get to campus. I mean, I, I do believe recruiting rankings are indicative of, of future success and nine times out of 10 in terms of, uh, you know, the programs that are that are at the top of the list right now. But at the same time, there's always exceptions. And, and these guys are trying to find the, the best um, exposure for them. It's, it's interesting because you're taking guys – you know, like a Johnny Dixon, uh, like a John Lovett, who are playing at major college programs, and you know we're fairly high, highly regarded. Uh, I think Dixon was a high three star by twenty four seven Sports, and Lovett was a low four star by twenty four seven Sports. But then you get these guys that are, you know, maybe have fallen between the cracks. And I'm not trying to knock Duke here or anything like that. But Derek Tangelo is a guy that was not highly regarded regarded at all. It wasn't for really lack of exposure. He was there lining up beside Cam Brown, who ended up at Penn State. Um, but you know, it just kind of guys develop at different speeds throughout their career and and you're trying to hit on some of those guys that you know maybe will you know some guys peak at, as freshmen and sophomores some guys will end up peaking as, as juniors and seniors so you want to catch those guys you know when they're hitting that climax and it's you know it's a tough thing to gauge but at the same time it's a you know it's not always as simple as this guy has some talent we know he's he was a talented recruit doesn't really work that way and some guys peak on the high school senior season camp circuit. I mean, you you just there's a lot of variables, there's a lot of paths, and sometimes a, lo- a lot of quarterbacks peak on that high school yeah. camp circuit. And then we're and, seeing that in know, the portal because there's not there's not much out there, man. There's a lot of names that that jump out at you, and then you look at their college resumes to this point, and it doesn't match up with with the prowess that they carried at 17, 18 years old. And that can be physical, that can be mental, that can be structural because of the system that they have played in at college football. This is not a, a situation where, oh, he's a former four-star four years later. Oh, great, he's a plug-and-play guy. Uh, it just does not work that way. And, and we, we're going to continue to learn more about the transfer portal and Penn State's approach there. You're going to hear from Derek Tangelo in a second. But sticking at defensive end, uh, Ebikede becomes the most experienced guy in this room as soon as he walks through the door, Sean, um, because you lose some serious experience with Tony, with Away, with Shane Simmons. And, and Adiza Isaac, we mentioned this last week, he's the guy who has taken the most college snaps to this point. He does not have a start to his credit. He will be a third-year sophomore in 2021. Nick Tarburton, Smith Vilbert, guys who ended 2020 as third-teamers. You brought Bryce Mostella in last winter as, as kind of a long-term deal. He's one year into his career at this point. Rodney McGraw is incoming with this 2021 class. Um, but man, this felt like a shot in the arm. The defensive end group needed Dion Barnes and, and, and John Scott needed. Do we think there's still room to maneuver there using the transfer portal? I think so. I, I don't know that they want to bring in another guy like, like Ebikiti that's, you know, you're telling or you're probably putting it out there that he's going to be one of your starters next year. Cause I think you, they are still high on Adisa Isaac and hopefully he can, you know, bounce back. He didn't play as much as we thought he would this year. Tarburton's obviously got the injury history. Smith Vilbert. I mean, uh, are you bringing in a guy that is going to be that much better than Smith Vilbert? I, I don't know what's out there in terms of guys that can be impact guys, uh, other than what we've seen based on 
on their high school credentials and things like that. So I think that there's there's so many levels to this and so many things. I mean, it's not it's not a video game. It's not a draft where you can you know bring in and turn around and you know essentially we call it free agency, but it's not really that uh, where you can move the pieces, move all the pieces, and have all the control. Um, it's very different than that. So it's it's gonna be interesting to me as as I mentioned. I I think they look. Keep an eye out for guys that have to develop because you're not only talking about the 2021 depth chart, you're talking about 22, 23, and, and so forth. This is a spot where not only does it look bad right now, but down the list, I mean, you've got Mastella, you've got Rodney McGraw coming in this year. They're still trying to add a high school defensive end to this class. The numbers just don't look great there. And that, that's something where you're going to have to use the portal at the top of your depth chart and possibly down, uh, you know, and hopefully you can develop one of those guys that maybe you missed out on in the past. So, um, it's very, very tricky. I don't think they're done there. I think that that there's spots where you know you've got some flexibility in the numbers and and defensive end is obviously such an important and premium position not only for Penn State but at the college ranks um, that that's going to be a market kind of like quarterback um, where you've got some some big time competition for some uh, some really good players. If you don't find a way to to get some serious on field development on Saturdays in 2021, could be in a similar situation next December, next January, and needing to utilize the transfer portal once again at defensive end. And of course, you're always going to keep an eye on the transfer portal. And and I want to catch myself because I just said big time competition for some really good players. That's not really what I meant. I meant you've probably got a higher level of competition based on the premium of the position for good players, solid players than you would, you know, at some other positions. I, I think probably the market is a little bit stronger for some guys that may not be at the top of the list for everybody, but because that position, I mean, look at Antonio Shelton, um, a guy that we see saw as a solid contributor at Penn State. Well, all of a sudden, Florida State, Florida, Michigan, you know, some schools are coming after him because he's at a premium position. So that I think that's kind of the, the market is very different from what you could envision for some of these guys and maybe it's like it's like um the second signing period uh, after you go through december everybody signs and then all of a sudden there's this ramp up in this market for um guys who waited to sign until february we've seen it you know over the years over the last couple of years where okay maybe this guy's getting offers that are better than he is as a prospect. I mean, you've got schools coming out um, that are offering a kid that they wouldn't have offered back in November or December. So I think that's probably the the point that I was trying to make here is at premium positions like quarterback, um, like defensive end, you're probably going to see some guys pop up with interest from schools that you're like, can he actually play there? I, I don't know about that. So that's that's probably one of those other interesting dynamics. I don't think that stops at college football, too. You watch the NFL free agency market and some of these positions that are prioritized and what the money that gets dished out there for guys that year in, year out, you're like, is that guy worth that kind of money? And apparently the market dictates it because at that position, there is such a premium. And, and I think that you're, you're seeing that here in college football with the transfer portal. Um, we're going to keep our focus on the portal and keep our focus on the defensive front right now because Sean caught up with Derek Tangelo uh, out of the Duke Blue Devils program moving into the Penn State program for his extra senior season um, a, an impressive contributor down there for the Blue Devils a starter in 2020 uh, learn about his decision what he expects from his Penn State career all that coming your way right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back on the Lions 24-7 podcast with the newest Nittany Lion as of this recording, former Duke defensive tackle Derek Tangelo. Derek, thanks for joining us on the show. I appreciate y'all for having me. So things kind of move fast in the portal. Obviously, it's been a whirlwind couple of weeks for you. I guess, first and foremost, you know, what's it like to go into a situation like that? Obviously, had a very good year at Duke. And, you know, what do you go into the portal looking for? And I guess, what's that whole uh, situation like? Uh, yeah, you know, going into the portal, you know, it's like a it's a very tough decision. You know, you just got to – I felt like for me, I was looking for more. You know, I was looking for, you know, another place that was going to push me just like Duke. So. I was, you know, I just went to the portal, you know, nervous, but I just knew that it was in God's hands and that he was going to take care of it. So, no, it wasn't that stressful. What were, what were your expectations there? I mean, were you looking to go, you know, I, I guess for lack of a better term, up a level or were you looking for more exposure? What were you looking for um, to take that next step? Uh, yeah, I was. I, I, I could say I was looking for more exposure. You know, I just I just felt like, you know, Duke was a is a very good program. You know, it's a very well-known program, but, you know, I was just looking for something different, something more. You know, I've been in Durham like the last four years of my life, you know, gave a lot to the program. So I was just looking for something new and uh, that's also competitive. Penn State's always been sort of in the picture with you. Of course, you played at Bullis with Cam Brown, who was a standout here at linebacker now with the New York Giants. What about Penn State drew you in and what was the first kind of contact you had with those guys? Uh, yeah, um. I would say like around that 2015 visit, like that was my really my first time like going to Penn State, and I I fell in love with the school like immediately. You know, like the great people, you know, the great atmosphere, the coaches were very respectful. You know, they really cared about us, so that drew me early. You know, as a young kid, you know, you want to see people care about you. You know, and I felt like it was really unconditional love at Penn State, so that kind of drew me in early. And just you know, having guys like Cam. Having guys like Jonathan Holland, you know, who went through the program, you know, who I looked up to in high school, you know, that went to Penn State, you know, and did great things, you know, it just really motivated me to like get in there. Was that a school maybe on your mind when you entered the portal? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, you always want your dream school, you know, to reach out to, you know, Penn State's been a dream school of mine for as long as I can remember. So, you know, just getting that interest, you know, even the first interest, you know, it piqued my mind automatically. I was very excited, very thankful. Who did you hear from right away and how, how long did it take for them to reach out? Um, well, I had a relationship with uh, Coach Bowen, like from Fordham. He recruited me when I was in high school at Fordham. So when so when the opportunity came, you know, he reached out to me, told me he followed my career from Duke. He uh, liked what I was doing. He felt like I had potential, you know, to come in and do great things. So, you know, it really started from there, just trusting him and, you know, just speaking with him. How do you go about doing the research? You you entered the portal on Christmas, uh, committed a couple of days later. How do you go about cramming all that research into just a short amount of time? Uh, yeah, you just got to know exactly what you want, you know. And I think I think in the portal you have to be very transparent. You know, you know everybody's going to want different things from you. Everybody's going to expect different things from you. But I feel like at the end of the day, it's what you expect of yourself and who can you know provide you with the best situation to get that. So you know, I felt like. We were very transparent and, you know, we both wanted the same things. What's their plan for you? I know they lost some guys uh, at defensive tackle and obviously you're, you're not coming in to, to be a backup, to be a reserve in your final year. What What is their plan for you and how did that match up with your vision for what this next year wanted, you wanted it to be? 
oh yeah, you know, they just wanted me to come in, you know, work hard, you know, and just showcase my talents. You know, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to be, you know, a featured guy, but you know, I'm also one of the oldest guys I feel like in the room. So, you know, just, just giving my game experience, just like, you know, stuff that I've been through, different techniques and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, I'm, I can just be another, like a player's coach, you know? You mentioned Cam and John Holland. Is there anybody up there that you knew from your time in high school or in Maryland or anything like that um, that you have talked to since or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I know a couple guys uh, like Nawasu. Uh, that's about to be a kicker there. He went to my high school as well as the Bullets quarterback that's in the current class that's about to come in, Christian. Mm-hmm. I met those guys a couple of times when I came back. We, we stayed in contact, so, you know, just talking with those guys, you know, they let me know that everything about everything and how everything worked. And we had a good conversation. How does a uh, transfer commitment go? What's the, what's the conversation? Like, I assume you talked to James Franklin, John Scott, those guys, what, what was the conversation like with those coaches and, and, and how does that go? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not really as nerve wracking as everybody thinks, you know, coach Franklin, he's actually a great guy, you know, funny guy, you know, has a lot of insight, you know, very wise. So, it was very, it was a very comfortable conversation. You know, I was on a, I was on a call with my, with my parents and I was on a call with the coaches and, and, and like various support systems. And, you know, we were just asking any questions, you know, that we might have had, you know, I really let my parents take over. You know, your parents going to have all the questions and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just like, it was a very good conversation, very simple and cool conversation. I mean, that's kind of like a fast track type thing. I mean, we mentioned the research a little bit earlier, but like, I mean, how, how quick of a decision did you have to to make and, and really uh, how, how much time did you get to weigh your option? And of course, what, what other options, uh, if you're comfortable putting it out there, what other options did you have? And, and, and how does this something just come about so quickly? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like, I, I felt like I made a quick decision. You know, I felt like it was the right decision to make. And I just felt like it felt right at the time. You know, I can't, really I can't really speak on anybody else and saying you know this is the right time to do it or not I just from my experience you know I just felt like Penn State gave me everything I wanted and it was a dream school of mine so you know it was just like why not you know I was coming I'm coming into a good situation with a great group of guys you know who know how to work hard you know you know who know how to win games you know who know how to push each other so you know just hearing about that you know just thinking about that it, it didn't really make it hard for me to make my decision What's the next step for you? Obviously, uh, you know, you, I'm sure you want to get in there and get get with the team as quickly as possible. What do you? What's the next step for you? What do you What are you looking to get out of uh, this? I guess year that you've got ahead of you. Uh, yeah, you know, I just want to grow. You know, I want to grow in as many places as possible. You know, I want to grow on the football field. You know, I want to grow as a student. You know, basically, I want to grow as a man. You know, I feel like they have a lot to teach me up there. You know, in terms of football. You know, in terms of techniques. You know, you can always get better. There's always something you can improve on. So, you know, just learning from another coach, you know, learning another another system, learning how to play with, you know, another group of guys. You know, that's what I'm really looking forward to, like developing the relationships, you know, winning games, you know, and just having fun. What do you bring to the table as a defensive tackle? I mean, what's your what do you think your role can be in Penn State's defense? And what do you what are your biggest strengths there? I feel like I bring a physical presence. You know, I, I like to be dominant. I like to be physical. You know, I like to play with the edge. So. I feel like, you know, they're going to get somebody who who's always ready to play, you know, who always wants to play and who's charismatic, charismatic about the game. 
All right, Derek. Well, I appreciate the time uh, here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, I'm sure we will talk to you hopefully in the next year as you continue on your fo- uh, your football journey with your next stop being in Happy Valley. So thank you very much for, for joining us and, and we'll catch up with you down the road. I appreciate you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thank you very much to Derek for joining Sean for that conversation. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about him. A guy is going to be getting to campus here in 2021. Um, Beyond 2021, momentum continues to build for the 2022 Penn State recruiting class. And we've talked for a while about how those two different cycles, 21 and 22, were varying in very different directions as 2020 came to a close. And uh, the 2022 class has not lost any momentum. They continue to gain steam in and this time in the form of another in-state commitment, Makai Flowers. We previewed this decision last week. It was a New Year's Day decision. It was supposed to be in the later portion of the afternoon. He bumped it up to late morning, which we appreciated. Um, could be a safety. Could be a receiver. What I do know is this is a high-level prospect wherever Penn State decides to utilize him. We'll see how his career develops. you got to get him to the finish line next signing day. There's a long time between now and then. But he is the number 121 overall player in composite rankings. We hear he's already doing some work as a peer recruiter on behalf of Penn State. And he leads all Nittany Lions commitments in terms of those composite rankings. Well, he'll be visible, that's for sure. <laughs> he's been very visible up until this point. You say he's going to be a recruiter, and uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's a surprising start for Penn State. It's a great start for Penn State, but they're getting out there and they're you know being seen. And that's a huge – I mean, I think that's a – a dynamic to this 2021 class that we really didn't see at all. Obviously, Landon Tangwall was out there and, you know, he had some guys in Detroit that were, you know, sort of, uh, you know, leading that charge. But when you do it on the home base, when you do it, you know, with, with the guys that they've been able to bring in, the, everybody's a four star in this class and it's a, it's a heck of a start. Now, Flowers as a player will start there. You look at 61190 reported. So, I mean, he's always, just had this look of this awesome safety. And I, I I know that that's something that I think we've fallen back on a couple of times. It's just, you know, you saw him in camp. You saw the, these natural ball skills on both sides of the ball. He would come and work it as a safety, He'd come back and work as a receiver. And, you know, they, they truly believe that he's an athlete that could play on either side of the ball. Now, I think he wants to play on both sides of the ball, and that's a, a huge undertaking for anybody. Um, but at the same time, he's just so, so talented and, and, and really just a guy that, improves your roster. And, and it's, it's sort of a cop-out sometimes to say athlete, but I truly believe in, in talking to people at Penn State, I truly believe that they want to get him on campus and then figure out where he can maximize his ceiling at. And um, that's still very much up in the air. Like I said, he, he he had the look of a big-time safety prospect. And then you see those highlights from this season and you see what he's done at camp and you're thinking, okay, maybe this guy could be a wide receiver. I, I, I do think there's probably more value in him as a safety uh, for, for the roster and for his future. But, you know, receiver is a spot that people love to dabble in and, and some of these athletes love to go to. Um, I, I do have 
sort of questions about his competition level. I mean, no, no disrespect to Steel High because they've done very well for a very long time. Andrew Irby's done a, a great job, and he actually his son's going to be a pretty darn good quarterback uh, if he continues to grow. Um, but at the same time, you you have questions about playing at that level. I think when you put on the tape, you kind of are like, okay, this 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 makes sense. This guy is a man among boys, but the things that he does so well, the balance and the the traits that you're looking for as an elite prospect are still there. So I, I'm really looking forward to see his development. I'm looking forward to see if, you know, maybe he gets here and he's 6'2", 205 or something like that. You know, I we haven't seen him in person for a long time. And that's one of the, the holdups with this whole cycle or these whole cycle, these two whole cycles is that you don't really know actually how big these some of these kids are, but he's got the frame to work with. He's got the athleticism. He's got the ball skills. He's just got so many boxes that he's checked um, that make you really excited about this pickup. People can go kind of too far down the road of, of who you're playing rather than how you're playing. And I think you watched how this kid played in 2020 as a junior and all three phases, Sean, just jumps off the film. I mean, as a special teams returner, as a, as a defensive back, he had five interceptions. He was out there making plays. He, he embraces contact and 15 touchdown catches during a state championship run there. He was the class 1A player of the year across the state. We talked last week about how the quarterback in this class, Bo Prabula, was the class 6A uh, player of the year statewide. And, um, you know, to, to add this kind of talent at this stage of the cycle, I think it's huge. It shows you a lot the importance of getting these guys on campus early targeting these guys early I, I think we heard uh you know earlier just a couple weeks ago actually um from Penn State staff about the importance of of maybe being a little bit more proactive early in the career for guys in the Pennsylvania recruiting cycles that you can clearly see this is a power five guy this is a guy we can see in our program he's only 15 right now it's tricky some things might change maybe two and a half years down the line you're not in love with him uh, like you are now and you're not you're not thinking that that he fits the mold of what you want in your recruiting class but you don't want to wait and and get behind 25 other schools who offer the kid and he's always going to say why did the in-state powerhouse not want me early what did why did they not see that what other schools saw so you're seeing them jump ahead here a bit in the 2022 cycle 2023 cycle and this is an example of a kid who had the early offer was on camp a bunch last year Sean uh, we saw him in a couple camps he was he was in Beaver Stadium for the whiteout game last year you know and then he and then he continues to get better and more impressive and I do hope we have a chance to see him live in action in, in 2021 uh, because like you said uh, the, the measurement are what they are right now but this is a trajectory where you know I'm really curious about where this kid's at when he's 20 years old and I know that's you can say that about every prospect but I I, I can truly see kind of the all-conference potential on both sides of the ball sometimes a kid is a kid is a safety a kid is a defensive player but he doesn't want to give up the ball and he's in high school where his team's feeding him the ball constantly so you kind of have to walk that fine line as a coaching staff and, and even as us and reporters talking to these kids in the conversations yeah, okay, the door's open to maybe play offense, but this is one where I truly believe that the athlete label is warranted, like you said. And can we get into the in-state recruiting a little bit here, Sean? Because you were not exaggerating when you said that everyone in the class is a four-star. Everyone in this class is a composite four-star. All eight players, this is the number two class in the country right now. When you look at the 24-7 sports composite, they jumped over LSU with this edition. Unfortunately for Penn State, they're behind Ohio State, who's steamrolling their way through this class. 
right now, but this is such a tremendous group coming off of a four-win season, what you're dealing with, not getting guys to campus, and the foundation that you love here is, while you do have guys like Jerry Cross in Milwaukee, who's never been to campus, but is out there really selling your program, Caden Saunders, who has been to campus several times out of Ohio, he's out there selling your program, but right here, you got boots on the ground, five guys in the state of Pennsylvania, and I mentioned this to you uh, when they committed, it's something that I'm sure you already picked up on, but the top five guys in who are high school juniors currently in the state of Pennsylvania who have announced commitments, all five of those guys picked Penn State. Yeah, and all 14, I believe, they they offered Tyrese Fearbury from Pittsburgh City League this morning. All 14 of those guys, um, you know, have, or sorry, out of the guys that they've offered, all of them have either picked Penn State or not made a decision yet. So you've got some, you know, you got some work to do there, but at the same time, you, you haven't shut out anybody. So that's been pretty cool. One final point I will make about Makai Flowers, his attitude fits in terms of what you want at receiver and what you want as a defensive back. He's not afraid to talk. He's not afraid to, uh, you know, be uh, boastful and, and be one of those guys. So I'm looking forward to see how he develops because, you know, he kind of fits in with what you're looking for. You've got Caden Saunders. You've got Anthony Ivey at receiver. You've seen the way that Penn State's recruited at safety. That's another reason that I would kind of hedge that direction. Um, but that's the, He's certainly a guy whose personality fits as a, a, a boisterous guy that could play on either side or at either position. Um, going from there, what you said about, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, obviously a huge year in state. Penn State has tried to get back in there and try to uh, reestablish themselves, which sounds funny when you're talking about a, a home state. But five commitments from the Keystone State so far for all last uh, cycle. Obviously not uh, not great in terms of what they've been able to do. Um, so they've they've made it an emphasis, and I don't see anybody you know stretching. You know, you you look at what they've been able to pick up so far. They have offered guys that you know you look back in the in the 2021 class, and they offered a couple guys in Imatep that you know. Frankly, I'm not sure that they could play here, but you get in there, you get you get in their good graces. You look at the 14 guys that they've offered in Pennsylvania, and you think there's not too many borderline guys. In fact, there's some still some guys out there, and Fearby would have. Fit into this uh, mix had they not offered earlier today that you know maybe could play at Penn State. I look at the running back at LaSalle, Sam Brown, who's a heck of a prospect. Um, but yeah, this uh, this is a, a year, this 2022 cycle when you have to strike. You've got three of those four main mid-state guys: um, Ivy, Prabula, and Flowers. You'd love to get Nichols, Nicholas Singleton in there, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's such an important year in the state, and Penn State's really doing. A heck of a job so far, and 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 nobody really saw it coming. I mean, this is this entire twenty two cycle on itself, nobody saw it coming. But in state, the lack of momentum to full speed ahead is is certainly notable. And of course, th- this class starts with a, a four star prospect uh, who who lives essentially in the shadow of Ohio Stadium, and and yet here you are, first week of January, and the storyline is the Pennsylvania kids. And uh, you look at the composite rankings. Four, all four of those guys are inside the top 12 for Pennsylvania prospects. Prabula is at the bottom of that pack. He just got upgraded to that four-star composite prospect. I don't think he's done on the rise ascending as a figure in this class. Um, and, and I mean, look, if, if we're just for conversational purposes locking in Makai Flowers to wide receiver – I mean, I'll have to do some research, but I can't imagine anyone is even close. I guess I have better take a peek at Ohio State's class, but putting together that kind of a wide receiver class this far out of the signing period in this cycle uh, between Ivy, Saunders, and Flowers, again, very much leaving the door open for Saunders to end up in the defensive secondary, but 
once again, we've been doing a lot of hat tips in his direction, but Taylor Stubblefield getting the job done and and just completely bizarre circumstances compared to what he thought recruiting would be like when he came to campus. And and let's not forget, uh, there there were questions. I think the one thing you looked at the message boards when they hired Taylor Stubblefield, uh, there were probably two obvious things that people were pointing to. Uh, he was the all-time Big Ten leader in receptions, a guy who was very focused on the technician standpoint of, of developing wide receivers. Number two was, how was he as a recruiter? We're beginning to get a, a very, very large dose of answers over the course of these couple cycles. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty remarkable to see that. I mean, you, you look at the development or the, the, the label that he had as a guy that could develop the details. Uh, and it's come to fruition on the field. I thought Penn State's receivers took a step forward, especially the ones that just, you know, came under his tutelage for the first time this year. And Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith can certainly use an offseason, but still high hopes on on what he can bring to the table. Um, so that's sort of come along very strongly. And, and I forgot Jahan Dotson. I must be a big All-Big Ten voter. Uh, forgot Jahan Dotson as well. Who has still not announced anything as of 1238 p.m. eastern time on tuesday <laughs> i appreciate the time stamp on there uh, <laughs> but yeah it's it's been really remarkable to see that turn around and see them continue to try and restock that room i know they brought in numbers last season and, and you know you're not going to hit on everybody but you you've hit on a couple of guys so far they like what's coming in malik mega as well so we'll see what happens with that group but yeah stubblefield turning it around you hope uh you know based on his career you hope he sticks around a little bit longer and maybe that stability is what what everybody needed and uh, you know hopefully for this 22 classes sake that you know he continues to be that guy so uh i just impressed with what he was uh, able to bring to the table i said it uh when it was not easy to say it i said i thought i think this guy's a pretty good coach and he'll, he'll be okay you just got to get through this rough patch didn't expect this rough patch to include you know a, a worldwide pandemic and not being able to go and see kids and host kids and everything like that but he still making some people look pretty smart. He has put Beltgate way back in the rearview mirror at this point with what he's done on the field and now on the recruiting trail. Sean, quickly uh, getting through a little bit more before we get to our five-star mailbag, getting through a little bit more of the in-state conversation because work is not done yet. Uh, not only do you have you know uh, 11 and a half months to get these guys to the signing period, but you've got guys who are out there and still have big decisions to make and maybe don't plan to do that for the next few months. And uh, they're going to be seniors next year in the state of Pennsylvania and or maybe a little bit beyond because in the case of Drew Shelton who you caught up with he's going to IMG Academy and I think probably those who follow recruiting closely are are well accustomed now to some of the bigger names in, in uh, on the college football recruiting scene spending their final year or two at IMG Academy we saw Noah Kane who was a, a big time Texas running back finish off at, at IMG Academy. KJ Hamler went from high school in Michigan to IMG Academy to finish his high school career. Add Drew Shelton to the list, who was considered the top offensive line prospect in Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, it never really works out for Penn State that way um, because it's it's been something where you've seen guys, Robert Hainsey comes to mind, guys that you thought were Penn State leans, they go down there, all of a sudden it opens up pretty well. Um, so there's still that, that you know, that feeling that, okay, we got to keep on our toes here, got to figure out what's going on. And uh, Drew Shelton, to me, in terms of if you were sending guys down there that were 
were solid. You know, if you were ranking guys in terms of how solid they were, Shelton would probably be maybe number two behind uh, Bo Probula in that class. So you, of the guys to go down there, I think this is a pretty good one to have. He told me he's going down there to recruit some other guys uh, and develop, and we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly would love to have him back in Downingtown from a recruiting standpoint, from a, you know, you know, familiarity standpoint, from a, let's be honest, a lack of exposure standpoint. Uh, that <laughs> right. certainly would help there. Um, but in terms of the guys going down there that, uh, you know, really could, uh, you know, could jump eventually, I think Shelton's lower on that list. So I think that there's that is that that possibility hasn't completely gone away or won't completely go away. But at the same time, I think I feel pretty good about Drew Shelton. I'm excited to see him develop. We've got him listed at 6'5", 255 on our site right now. He's about 290. And that's something that, uh, you know, I he told me yesterday and I had to, had to check a little bit uh, around to see if that was accurate because that's a big gap between 290 and 255. That's more than a Thanksgiving break or a Christmas break where you have a couple beers every day as some of us have and you <laughs> have not. Um, but it's uh, it, it's very much uh, a big difference. So I'm excited to see him. He's got guys uh, down there like Tyler Booker, who's a Connecticut native who's been down there for a little while. Alu Ball. I butchered that name. He's from Memphis. He's been a guy that Penn State's been in contact with. He's been in contact with A.J. Duffy, the quarterback from California, yeah, whom we've yeah. talked about before, just transferred down there. Katron Allen running back the Penn State's after. So IMG, man, it, it, it's the top program in the country in terms of exposure. It's the top program in the country in terms of, uh, you know, I guess I think they won the mythical national championship or something like that this year. So you can get one of your guys in there that's uh, certainly stumping for you hard. I think it certainly could help you out been pretty fascinating to watch things develop down there in Bradenton, Florida, since Chris Winkie was their initial coach. And I think there was DeAndre Francois, or no, actually Michael O'Connor, Penn State signee, was their first quarterback. And uh, then it's been a revolving door of kind of a, a, a guy you plug in for one year, and then he goes off to play Power 5 football at the quarterback position. And I think one other thing that Drew Shelton will gain from his experience at IMG Academy is it's going to be a head start on uh, on somewhat of what life is like at the college level, you're, you're living away from home. Um, there's a, a lot more that revolves around the football program than I think what you would normally see at, at, a, at, a, at a public high school. Um, it's just a lot of your schedule is kind of laid out for you, and it's it, it's very different. So I think maybe that gives them an edge, and certainly competition-wise, IMG Academy is going to, if they're allowed to do it in 2021, they're going to get on planes to go play games against really good teams. So you'd like to think that, that he's going to come in maybe a bit sharper than than what he normally would no disrespect to his hometown team but this is you know he's making the move for a reason and yeah it, it'll be you know who knows having a mouthpiece there if, if you know if, if you sound very confident where drew shelton stands mentally with this penn state recruiting class he has been very active on social media kind of reinforcing uh the excitement for this 2022 class so if he can kind of be a, a guy getting some of those ears you know aj duffy's an interesting one uh, out of california the first guy that that penn state offered when kirk Sharaka took over as offensive coordinator at this position and he was also uh on campus already yeah you know, so kid from california playing high school football now in florida he has been to central pennsylvania to check out the, this school so they've got boper Bueller on board but i think that's that's a guy to uh, by the way tyler booker put out a top group i think it was a top 10 this week and penn state is featured on that a, a kid who is um a, a kid that they offered in on early um and correct me if i'm wrong he's he's got uh he's got Home base is Connecticut for him? Connecticut. I believe you yeah. talked to him back in early March or something like that and wrote a story that he was yes. set, he had a visit set up and he was going to come uh, check out Penn State. They, they've been sort of a constant in his recruitment. So, um, you know, hopefully, I, obviously, the distance is big. And it. I mean, let's be honest, it, it really never helped Penn State 
that anybody going to IMG has never really helped Penn State's cause. But at the same time, it's not like a you get down there, you don't go to Penn State. They've, they've certainly landed guys, Noah Kane, obviously, KJ Hamler. But in terms of moving from mostly the Northeast mm. down to there, yeah, it hasn't really worked out as well as you would hope. Yeah, you, these guys don't get the Florida label and the Florida kid label because they'll be quick to remind you. I'm not a Florida. I'm not a Florida guy. I'm from this. This is my hometown. I'm here to to to, to improve myself. You know, it, it's not it's not part of the Florida high school scene. Noah Kane would not consider himself a Floridian if, if you asked him. And same goes for KJ Hamler, of course. So a, a different kind of situation. IMG Academy. Drew Shelton, a part of that, will we'll be certainly monitoring his uh, development uh, as he makes that move. And the other name to know here in Pennsylvania, among uh, several names to know, of course all the way up to Nye White, defensive end out of Philadelphia, who tops the, the 2022 rankings. But top-ranked running back in the 2022 class, Nicholas Singleton, uh, he caught up with, with Brian Doan for a VIP story up on Lions 24-7 right now. I'd encourage you to go check that out. But it was just interesting to know one thing that stood out to me is he's hearing from these guys. He mentioned Shelton specifically. No surprise, he mentioned Perbula. And he already mentions that Makai Flowers is is you know chopping it up with him about Penn State and how he could be a missing component. What what do you think about Singleton, a guy who's got Ohio State? He's got a lot of options on the table. Sounds like he's gonna gonna continue to down the road for a while before making a decision. Um, we talked a lot about what the 2022 running back class could look like, especially if they get through February without bringing in a high school player. They're bringing in a one and done transfer out of Baylor and John Lovett. It just feels like 2022 running back class, maybe a multi class, and, and it could be one where you aim very high. I, I think they absolutely are aiming high, and they've got you know a list of national guys that they're certainly after, and and not taking one in 2021, which I know signing day isn't for another month there, um, but I don't expect them to grab another high school running back, especially after getting Lovett. Um, but th- this is a situation where Cider is shooting high right now. Singleton is very high on that list, um, but you've got other options all over the country. And that's and that's one of those positions that we've seen, as we see in Penn State's backfield right now. Um, that's one of those positions where guys will travel to, to, to play if, they, if it means getting carries. Um, so it's not going to be as regional. Just so happens that one of your top targets is an hour and a half, two hours down the road. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting to see how that position comes together. Um, Singleton, as far as I hear it, Ohio State still very high on his list. Notre Dame, very high on his list. Penn State, very high on his list. Um, so I think this is going to be a one that takes a while. Be interesting to see how those dynamics work out because you think of a guy that has that kind of offer list. Um, and you think, okay, you know, Ohio State's obviously getting whoever they want right now, but on the flip side, Ohio State's also getting whoever they want right now. So Nick Singleton, while he's high on Penn State's list and he's high on a lot of these schools' lists, you're only taking one or two running backs, and they took two very good ones last year in Trevion Henderson and Evan Pryor. Now all of a sudden it kind of might change some things for Ohio State. So we'll see what happens with that. I think I think a lot of Singleton, I think he's improved as a, as a running back prospect. We've always thought of him as that athlete uh, kind of label where you get him on campus, maybe he's a linebacker, maybe he's a safety. Obviously, he's very athletic. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, he's, he's not the top running back prospect in the country. Ohio State, I'm sure, is after the top running back prospect in the country, given how they've recruited not only the position, but also uh, as a whole. So I think that'll be a very interesting thing that comes down to it. Again, uh, Penn State's 2022 recruiting at running back could open up a little bit. Um 
guys all across the country. I know Amari Hampton uh, down in North Carolina is a big target for them. George Petaway and Ramon Brown in Virginia. You know, there's a lot of names on that list. And I think it's going to be one of those things like we saw maybe two cycles ago with the Noah Kane cycle. This might be a little bit slower developing because these guys, especially ones from out of the state and out of the region, want to eventually travel and get to where they're going to want to go. So this might not be something, this is probably something we'll still be talking about in the summer um, when you're talking about adding a quality running back to the 2022 class. Remember, no visits on the docket for NCAA schools until at least, I think, late April into May at this stage. Uh, hopefully that's as far as it goes, but zero promises on that front. And like a lot of these young rushers, uh, Singleton looking for a place that has a track record at running back and getting running backs to the next level. Miles Sanders on Monday added to the Pro Bowl roster. Uh, he was a finalist for Rookie of the Year last year. And of course, Saquon Barkley did win Rookie of the Year just a few years back. So you like what that brand looks like right now for J1 Sider um, at Penn State. Um, Sean, we're going to jump to our five-star mailbag, but before we do, just throwing on more positivity for the 2022 cycle, some crystal ball picks are in at a familiar program in Maryland. Yeah, the McDonough pipeline has been good to Penn State. Obviously, um, started a while ago, I guess a while ago, PJ Mustafer still technically a junior, um, <laughs> but uh, brought in PJ Mustafer, brought in Devon Ellis, Curtis Jacobs, obviously a gem out of there as a five star linebacker in the last cycle. And they're in on it again. I mean, deny Dennis Sutton, who this is a guy that we've beat the drum as one of, if not Penn State's top target in the 2022 class in terms of uh, talent. This kid's really freaking talented um, in, in terms of need, defensive end, obviously at the top of the list every year, um, especially the last couple of years. And then in terms of interest, I think Penn State's the leader here. I put in a crystal ball last week and and certainly if they were able to, to, to nab him soon, which I don't necessarily know that that's the case, uh, it would be huge. I mean, this guy would be this, the centerpiece of the Penn State's class. I think, honestly, I think we have him a little bit underrated. I think we have him in the 70s or something like that. I think he's right up there with the Nye White. I think he's right up there with some of the, the top defensive ends in the country. And in terms of talking to him and, and in terms of interacting with him, he's been fantastic. And that's a, that's a guy you want in your program right there. Yeah. Interesting to see what happens there. And, and, and certainly Sean, um, the 2022 class, it perplexes you when you just, when you just kind of digest what, what, what we saw in 2021 cycle versus what we're seeing in 2022 and the entire time we're still seeing recruiting essentially shut down the way we know it. And Penn State didn't go out there and 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 go eight and one. So there's, we'll keep rolling with it, but it's hard to it's hard to explain. It's hard it's hard to really dive into what exactly has gone right and what has gone wrong. But enjoy the positives because we know that a lot of fans out there and listeners out there weathered the storm uh, over the course of recent months. And uh, the payback here has been really nice to start 2021. It's nice conversing about this uh, rather than kind of lamenting on some of the misses. So, Sean, going to the 2020 recruiting class, our five-star mailbag brings us to the Penn State freshman who will again be freshman in 2021 because of the NCAA eligibility pause. Stop, stop <laughs> with the specifics. I told you that I told you before we went on the air, the decade change has thrown me completely off. And then you add that the, the, the dynamic of the eligibility clock and oh my gosh, I'm, I'm struggling right now with that. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop mentioning numbers here, but let, let, here's the question. We'll keep it in simple terms. Which true freshman 
who did not get a ton of playing time this season, do we expect to generate some buzz moving toward the 2021 season? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, it's really interesting because you talk about who didn't play a ton and you have that new rule there that, you know, the four game rule that came into effect a couple of years ago. So, you know, you don't have those straight red shirts where these guys are a complete mystery. So you've got a guy like a Theo Johnson that, you know, we saw, especially in the, in the latter half of the season that really came into his own after Pat uh, was on the shelf for the year. Um, so it's, that's a guy that I would obviously point to if he was in that situation, but he's probably on that line. So we'll get to some other guys here. I mentioned Malik Mega a little bit earlier. Uh, this is a guy that's a complete mystery coming out of Canada. Uh, obviously, we saw the numbers in terms of his athleticism, um, the spark numbers and all that kind of stuff. But he also, you know, very raw coming in in terms of an absolute receiver, uh, running routes and things like that. I've heard very good things about Malik Mega. I, and, and I don't know what that turns into because you've got guys like Parker Washington, who obviously was ready to go before he got here. Keandre Lambert-Smith um, was eventually ready to go and started as a true freshman. Again, big things ahead for him with a, with an actual offseason to work with. Um, Mega is a guy just that that drips potential. Will he get there next year? I don't know about that. Um, it's it, it's with us having – we haven't even seen a practice. We haven't even looked at a sideline where he's playing scout team against some of these guys, um, and that's obviously not the uh, be-all, end-all or anything like that, but we haven't seen him move. We haven't seen him do anything these things, but we've heard positive things about Malik Mega. And I think if you were looking for a guy to come in and, you know, maybe be a fourth or fifth guy next year, I certainly think he can possibly fill that role. And I'm excited to see what kind of progress he can make. So I wouldn't put him up there, you know, with the guys that he came in with, but at the same time, there's a lot of potential there in a six, four guy that can run in the four fours or four five or whatever, um, and, and move really well. So just got to put it all together. And you mentioned earlier, Taylor Stubblefield has done a very good job this, this so far in his uh, Penn State career. If he can continue and mold a guy like Malik Mega, I think that says a lot about his coaching ability. Mega, one of the more unique recruits I've encountered covering Penn State. Hopefully you all heard him here on the podcast, uh, a kid who grew up speaking French uh, and and just out of this world testing numbers. And we'll find out a lot about him. I think it's really important to see these guys get a spring practice in. Um, they did not get that. The ones who enrolled early last year, that's such a pivotal time to, to kind of go through things at a, at a, at a different kind of pace than the one that you face when you're in preseason camp mode. There's just not as much time to, to play catch up and to, to bring guys along. And I think you're right outside of those top two that have established themselves in the lineup and certainly Parker Washington and then Keandre Lambert Smith, who I think is uh, has a potential to make a major leap as a second year player. Mega's right there. Um, and, and you've got a five guy wide receiver class there and you've got another really impressive wide receiver group coming in. So it's time to, to kind of you know, quickly uh, for those guys to, to, to hit the gas pedal on their development, because I, I think there's a lot to like about the 2021 receiver group that comes in. I, I like what we've heard about Kaziah Izzard. He's a guy that you were talking about hearing good things about in, in the preseason camp. I think with judge Culpepper leaving with Antonio Shelton leaving, even with Derek Tangelo coming in, uh, there's a move to be made. John Scott spoke uh, pretty highly of him, as did some of the veterans in that room with, with his development uh, in year number one. So uh, really, really interested to see what comes for him. I, I think one other name that I would throw out there who um, you know is not necessarily a true... This is, to, this is a guy that I think in the tight end room, we're going to be so focused on the top two guys, Brenton Strange and what we saw from him down the stretch. And Theo Johnson, like you said, you know, really showed what, what he was about and that he was ready to play Big Ten football. I know Zach Kuntz is still in the room as a, as a redshirt sophomore, as a fourth-year sophomore, but Tyler Warren, to me, you know, the way he finished the season, getting some action in on there, 
He answers answered the bell a bit in his physical progression, uh, going out there and, and playing like a power five tight end will need to play if they want to play extensive snaps in the future. I'm not saying he's going to soar up and, and, and take over the position in 2021, but keep an eye on Tyler Warren, how Tyler Bowen might want to implement him. And remember, we're just about a year and a half removed from this kid thinking that he was going to be a quarterback in the ACC. So he's someone that I know you're very curious about. You've heard good things about. Uh, and just keeping tabs on that and adding to the excitement at tight end because I think they may have gotten two, two special ones long-term at that position from the 2020 cycle. Yeah, and it, the, the betting is strong. If you're if you're siding with the position at Penn State, tight end's fairly strong bet to, to go with. Uh, obviously, not everybody is hit, but at the same time, uh, most of them have. So you go with that. Uh, Olu Fashanu is a guy that I look to um, at, at offensive tackle, and I don't think that they're going to need him to play um, and maybe generate some buzz as the question is is uh, for, is crafted here moving in the 2021 season. Might be on the two deep next year. It's hard to say, but Olu Fishanu is a guy that they're excited about. Kazai uh, Izzard on the other side of the ball. There's been some movement, obviously, at defensive tackle. And you look at who was on that defensive line at the end of the season, at the end of the games. And, you know, obviously it wasn't close or anything, but Kazai Izzard's a guy that they certainly looked uh, uh, looked up to. Amin Vanover, you're not sure where he fits in among the D tackles, the DS and all that kind of stuff but he was out there running around doing some good things and uh i'll be interested to see what kind of uh development zariah fisher has as uh, a guy i'm very high on as a football player whether that be a linebacker or eventually a defensive end which i still think he's going to be a defensive end at some point um fisher's a guy that certainly has a, a bunch of talent that you just got to figure out where you know he can be most effective at and where it can help your roster at most and as <laughs> if you if you just started listening right now you you may have missed it defensive end could be an issue for Penn State. Great point. And by the way, uh, right before we came on, we said, all right, we're switching into off-season mode. Let's try to keep these episodes to about 30 minutes. Um, an hour of content later, we hope we hope our listeners do not mind. We cover the 2022 class, the 2021 class, the 20 class right there, and the transfer portal. And you heard from a new transfer. So a lot <laughs> going on on this episode. But uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now for Penn State football, Sean. We're going to be back with another episode later in the week. We're going to do our best to, to get some more voices on here from players. One voice we will not hear on the podcast anytime soon, and I wanted to give him a quick shout-out, is Barton. Simmons, who I had been planning to get him on. He was on with us last year to, to kind of analyze the entire 2020 Penn State recruiting class. Did a great job. Got a lot of content out of that. We were going to duplicate that whole deal here in 2021. But Barton, he, well, he's, he's got a different job now, and and he's and it's one that he cannot appear on a Penn State podcast. He is going to be uh, the general manager for Vanderbilt and and dealing with all things personnel, transfer portal, uh, targeting guys, and, and just an exciting opportunity, a guy who has been the scouting director at 24-7 Sports for a very long time. I've known him several years before I was involved with 24-7 Sports, always had the time and day, always had great conversations on the sidelines at some of these camps across the country, and a guy that, that I can't say highly enough about and if you saw that some of the reaction on social media same deal so I won't take it any further but congrats to Barton Simmons who I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of our readers I know were very appreciative of his insight over the year it leaves a major hole to fill for 24-7 sports and it gives me 
a, a reason to keep a very close eye on what's cooking down at Vanderbilt in the upcoming years. Yeah, it's, it's awesome for Barton. That's going to be a hole that, that's going to be tough for us to fill. I've Obviously, Barton and I have been with 24-7 sports since the start, and that just I can't say enough about his eye for talent, the way that he handles things. And it's really incredible that he can hate every single fan base <laughs> right. um, and and stack other, stack uh, ratings for their rivals. It's been it's an amazing gift that he has. We'll see how it works out for him at Vanderbilt. Uh, that's a that's quite a job, man. I tell you what, I the hours that go into that and the hours that go into the job that we do are very different. That's why I, say, I always say these guys that are in that building know a heck of a lot more than I do. And uh, nap it's, time, it's, no nap time, no nap times, man. And by the way, first Monday of the year hit me hard. I I I didn't. I, I think I got one nap, but that was not nearly enough. <laughs> um, but no, it's been it's been really cool working with Barton. I'm excited to see his progress. Hopefully, you know things go well for for Clark Lee and and that staff down there in Vanderbilt, and and he can you know take his career to the next step or maybe come back i think i hope he's always got a home at 24 7 sports because he's been that great to deal with but it's been uh it's really cool you look at uh, the last year a couple of our basketball recruiting coverage guys are now agents yeah. and and they've taken the next step here so it's been pretty cool as a company to see us grow and see our the guys that work hard and the guys that know what they're talking about recognized for things like that yeah congrats again to barton and he's a nashville guy so that's a it's a make sense kind of move for him and i um I wish him well and we wish him well and we wish all of our listeners well here in 2021 hopefully this is just the start of a long year of, of great conversation here in the show and a lot less of the off-field stuff than what we dealt with in 2020 but we'll be with you every step of the way go check out our coverage at lions 247com a bunch on the transfer portal a bunch on the new recruits a bunch on recruiting targets um, we got some team coverage as well up there uh, 30% off for new VIPs $1 for one month for our new users hope to see you on the message board soon for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.